This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. It's that time of the program where we get the panel together and uh, we drill into topics worthy of discussion. For <clears> Pizzaville, <throat> dial pound 3636, the Friday edition, sees the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, minister at Trinity St. Paul's Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and the former MPP for Parkdale High Park under the NDP banner. How's Sherry? I'm good, and it's good to have you back, John. Nice Welcome. to be back. Thank you for that. John Capobianco's with us, Senior VP, Senior Partner, and National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. How's John? John's great. Thank you so much. How are you? Likewise. Thank you. And Michael Giles rounding out the panel. Uh, government operative for 30 <laughs> years at all levels, currently <laughs> Chief of Staff to Deputy Mayor Anna Bailau. How are you doing, Michael? Very, very busy with operations. <laughs> <laughs> it's 30 plus state. years now, John. It's 30 yeah. plus years. Well, yeah, <laughs> plus that's true. <laughs> Next year, I'll change it to 31. <laughs> Actually, Anna Bailau was with us yesterday explaining yes. that uh, down at Regent Park, there was uh, part of the national housing strategy. There's going to be subsidies for folks, you know, living on the margins, up to 2500 on an annual basis. And uh, there's about 5,200 people that would qualify, I guess, in the province of Ontario. Yeah, in the first year. Yeah, Yeah, and the bulk of whom would be obviously in Toronto, right? Yes. Yeah, they'd be mostly in Toronto. And the idea is that it's just it's part of a whole package of things. You know, the city, the province, the feds are trying to do on housing. And the idea is that, you know, if people are in housing or going to be, you know, where they're precarious, it gives them that little ability to have some kind of subsidy. It's smart because, you know, if you're going to have somebody who's in a a place that ends up losing their home or whatever else, it costs a lot more to keep people like that in shelters than it does to give them that kind of financial assistance to stay where they are or to get a a home that's affordable. So the cost of the program, if I understand, is what, $1.4 Yeah, that's the total contribution from the feds and the uh, provincial government, half and half each. Right. And uh, so... Uh, so it's not just limited to Toronto, It's the, the, but, the you know, the provincial component is half of that uh, $1.4 billion. I see. Now, how people qualify, uh, I did ask her, but maybe you can reiterate. Well, it's it's through... Uh, the, the province already has a, a rent subsidy program in place, a, a, a similar type of thing, but uh, not on this scale. So it, the eligibility requirement would be found through there. And the idea is that it's, you know, they'll it'll be income tested. It won't be like anybody just getting a getting this kind of money or getting that kind of support. So the idea is that there will be uh, methods of doing that. There's going to be, there's 47 service managers across the province that will be part of this, including uh, in Toronto, our, our people in Toronto. And, uh, you know, there may be some modifications depending on where you are. The, the requirement for eligibility in Sarnia, for example, might be a little different than Toronto, that kind All of right. stuff. And it is transportable, she said, so yeah, that if you move, right. you know, you're still going to qualify yeah. for it, uh, depending on, again, means. It's yeah. a means-tested thing. Uh, I wanted to start, though, by asking about uh, a big story that it's kind of dominated the headlines here and certainly our talking points earlier in the afternoon as well as yesterday. We we're talking about this case with the three boys at St. Mike's who pled guilty back in October to assault and sexual assault. And yesterday the judge handed down his ruling. Uh, they get two years probation. And a lot of people were gobsmacked by that, thinking that there ought to be, given the heinous nature of the crime and how it traumatized and humiliated the victims, because these were egregious sexual assaults. Uh, don't want to go into graphic detail. I think we mostly uh, know about the details. And, uh, you know, the idea behind the judge's reasoning, even though he didn't uh, profess it in court, which kind of left a blank for a lot of us, but then uh, upon reading his uh, reasoning uh, today, uh, we look at it perhaps in a different light. I don't know, but that's my question because he talks about these kids being in a culture of toxic masculinity of the highest order, uh, which also carried certain uh, dimensions of homophobia and misogyny. Uh, he talked about a school culture that normalized bullying and sexual bullying. He also said that set the stage for something serious to happen in the school. And so in a, a way, this fostered the climate that was ripe for these kids 
to go about doing this. And it plays a role. This is his direct quote. This plays a role in reducing their moral blame worthiness. Uh, further to that, I'm, I, let me just continue because he says all three boys are excellent candidates for rehabilitation. Each realizes that he had a chance to stop what was happening but did not. And that insight alone, coupled with a very positive risk assessment, convinces me that there's no need for specific deterrence in this case. Showing a quality of mercy that uh, people of the cloth such as yourself, Sherry DeNovo, would obviously emulate, wouldn't you? Um, yes, actually. Um, uh, however, I mean, one has to say, first of all, these are children at the time of these attacks, both the perpetrators and those who were the victims. Um, and I don't think anything's gained by putting, and, and I agree, uh, children in jail. Um, having said that, um, one hopes that during this time of probation that, that the, the kids who have been uh, charged, uh, do get some help and do get rehabilitation because I didn't hear a lot of that talk. And, and the other aspect of this that I think is really important is what what's uh, you know what do the victims want? What do the victims' families want? And and very clearly the message has come from those families that they also hold school accountable. They're going to be suing the school. And uh, so again, in terms of the victims' needs, and I think those should always be paramount. Um, they see this as a as a structural um, uh, problem with the school. System as much as you know, and they weren't. They weren't. There was no hue and cry coming from them about uh, you know put put the, these children in jail. Um, they're going after school as well. So I think I think pretty pretty much people are on the same page around that. Well, all right, uh, some people, but I heard there are a lot of folks outraged saying this cries for some form of deterrence and penalty punishment penalty apart from two years of probation where and some cynical folks weighing in saying the kids will still be skiing at blue mountain they'll be going off on spring break down south in florida you know this to them is you know less than a slap in the wrist uh but going to juvie hall or uh you know a detention facility even if you know because the uh crown had asked for in two cases i guess it's 12 to 15 months and in the other 10 to 12 months so even if that's you know pared down to the three or four months still gets their attention. John Capobianco, uh, did the judge get it right by saying that this really wouldn't have done anything to uh, benefit the rehabilitation or reintegration by severely penalizing them with a sentence? Yeah, I totally disagree with the judge on this, and I can't find one person I've talked to since this became public, uh, John, as far as anybody who thinks this is the right decision. Uh, just given the heinous crime and, and what they've done uh, and the fact that there was, you know, videotaping of this, this is nothing, this is something that um, was just caused out of pure hate and despite, notwithstanding what might have been the culture at the school, uh, no excuse for anybody doing this kind of stuff. So quite frankly, if they would have had six, seven, eight months, some jail time uh, would have been necessary for them to be able to have some remorse or at least some sense of they've done something wrong. But a probation is absolutely unheard of. I just can't, I can't imagine that they think that that rehabilitation is going to be caused by someone being on probation. They're going to forget about this. I'm sure they've, they've, they're obviously, you know, their lives have changed as a result of this, but unless you have jail time and you and you've, you've, you truly feel the sense of the pain that you caused somebody else, which which of course is never going to be the case even if you're in jail, um, but I just, I just can't imagine this is going to help. In the school, you know, it should change the culture for sure, but there's going to be some blame at the school that has to be, uh, that has to be significant. Well, yeah, that 
might be the civil suit. Uh, Sherry alluded to that. But when you say you haven't met anybody that actually thinks this was the appropriate sentence, did you not pay attention to what Sherry just said a moment ago? <laughs> well, Sherry is a woman of the cloth, and I get that. And I understand that she, you know, the rehabilitation is based on... But I mean, it, it should be what the victim's families and the victims themselves call for. Well, I didn't hear that call. The, the other thing, too, is that there are, the courts are now mandated for both accuser and accused to look at the least possible um, response, and I think so. There is that mandate as well in the justice system. So that's you're also, right. Uh, if also I may, tying the judge's hands. Well, whatever the, you think. The judge did mm-hmm. note the Youth Criminal Justice Act requires judges to find, as you say, Sherry, the least restrictive sentence to ensure accountability along with the sentencing principles of rehabilitation and reintegration. In fact, one of the lawyers representing on these sentenced teens said that this was fair and balanced and the right approach because, quote, more suffering is not justice. It does not erase anything. So is John Cabobianco wrong? I mean, uh, two years of probation, he says, is not adequate. How does Michael Giles feel? Um, uh, This one, uh, I'm conflicted by this one, just everything about it. I just find the whole thing very sad. You know, and, and, I, and there's nobody who's not going to move forward in this, whose life, particularly the victim, whose life is not diminished or forever transformed. Irrespective of how much we think that these kids are going to look and forget about this and everything, this they will carry for the rest of their lives. Unless they're sociopathic, which I don't think they are, some part of their conscience will, will always be triggered by this. The question is, what do we do as a society in terms of dealing with people who are this age? And quite frankly, I'm not, I'm not convinced that irrespective of the fact that there's, you know, it's a tragedy what these victims have gone through. I'm not convinced that putting 14 or 15-year-olds in jail is the solution to this problem. I, I, I think you may perhaps there should have been more penalties in terms of more community service or something like that, but locking kids up is not the solution to this. You know, I look in, and, and I don't understand sometimes, frankly, the, the nature of the human condition. When you get people into a mob mentality of we're irrespective of age, it is unbelievable sometimes what the human spirit is capable of doing, and that I think is the tragedy in all of this. That's what this, that's that's the sad part of this, that whether it's countries like you know World War II that can do unspeakable things or individuals in a mob mentality, it's it's unfortunate that that things like this can happen, and it speaks to the most base sort of uh, human nature, and I suppose. In a teenager's, that is more pronounced than anything else because, you know, you're learning your way, you haven't fully developed, you haven't got your full sense of what's right and wrong. And so, you know, do we lock, do we, is this what we do? We go back to, you know, and quite frankly, you know, you look at the Victorian era where you were locking up kids at 11 years old for stealing loaves of bread. Is that where we go? Or as a society, we try to find a way of, of at least giving these kids one more chance in life and, and finding right, but a let way. Let me just stop you here. Yeah. Sorry to interject. But, you know, when you said, for example, some community service, uh, maybe that's the compromise because... If the public outrage is such as John Capobianco suggested, like nobody feels that two years of uh, probation is going to be any kind of a message here, at least they're perceived to be giving something back in kind of a material way. And so, you know, it's not like they're in the who's gal and, you know, again, serving time with unrepentant murderers and rapists, uh, you know, are also in their teen. But there's some kind of, uh, I don't know, it's psychic closure for the public and the society at large. Yeah, and I agree with that. That's why I mentioned something like community service. I think that would be a more appropriate response to, to, than to putting these kids in jail. Having said that, you know, I also wrestle with the notion that there's somewhere out there, there are at least two young 
individuals whose lives have been irreparably damaged by what happened to them. And so I guess that's where we really come down to the larger argument. I think community service would have been more appropriate, but we come down to that larger argument between, you know, punishment and rehabilitation and the fact that we are a society that, you know, faces these problems. And John, what I would say here is I think if, if it was 14, 15-year-olds who, you know, in a course of hazing, uh, you know, is, poured, you know, cold water and down somebody's, you know, back or something like that of some sort, it's different. But this was a sexual assault. This was an assault that was heinous. And, 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 and the damage done to that one individual, notwithstanding the fact that the victim's parents or family might feel that, but it, it, there was a, there was a, it was an assault of, 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 you know, just unreparable uh, damage that was done. So that's why I think if it was something else, I could, I could understand the probation with community service, but there's got to be some penalty here and not just for the kids, but for 14, 15 year olds down the road who are thinking, Oh geez, these guys, these kids got away with it. They, they got a two year probation. So well, that's what is kind of what the judge was arguing though. Uh, nobody thought nobody was processing information in a conscientious way at the time. So I don't know if deterrence is going to impress uh, them at all, but Sherry, can yeah. I get you to move off your position and at least acknowledge maybe some kind of community service? Oh editing? yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely, that, that, that wasn't, but, but here's the thing. What's really important and what the judge mentioned, which I don't see the details of is rehabilitation. What kind of therapy, like what's happening with these kids? Because the perpetrators also, I mean, just by going out and picking up garbage, isn't going to change their, their lives either. I mean, what, what they need to do is, is to have somebody, you know, working with them so that they don't do this again. And their right? parents no. too, Sherry. And, and their parents. parents yeah. But their it parents was acknowledged, it was acknowledged yeah. within the judge's ruling that these kids were subjected to that kind of stuff. So he said that's all part of the process of rehabilitation. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.